Dear friends, uh, this is the Sunday that every preacher dreads the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Uh, by sleight of hand, sometimes I've even decided uh, to take holidays, annual leave on this Sunday, rather than uh, set into the, te- into the territory of committing uh, heresy or falling into one of the pitfalls about talking about the Holy Trinity in the wrong way. It is a tough Sunday to preach on, but today is an important solemnity in our liturgical year, the celebration of the Most Holy Trinity, because it leads us more deeply into the mystery of God and who he truly is. And so it's an important day for each and every one of us, the mystery of the one God that we believe in, yet revealed to us in three divine persons, the one God and the three divine persons. When I was preparing uh, for this homily, I was thinking, what else can I say on the nature and the life of the Trinity. And I thought actually, well, surely then we're led to just our readings to today. But as you'll see in our readings, it's not entirely obvious at the beginning where one should start uh, or what somebody should do to reveal this. But I was inspired by the words of St. Ambrose. St. Ambrose is one of the uh, great towering figures of the early church. Uh, He was Archbishop of Milan. And he says this, Rise, you who were lying fast asleep, Rise and hurry to the church. Here is the Father. Here is the Son. Here is the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is daunting for us to even say anything about the nature of the Holy Trinity. But my brothers and sisters, we are compelled because we are drawn into the very life of God. This mystery of the Holy Trinity is truly our life's work because it is our ultimate destiny. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, and I've got a copy here that's kept in the vestry, something which I'd encourage everyone to get a copy of. They're they're really uh, cheap, actually, to buy, but a wonderful resource, and something which is a great summary of Christian belief, says this, that the mystery of the Holy Trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith and life. It is the mystery of God himself. It is, therefore, the source of all the other mysteries of faith, the light that enlightens them. It's the most fundamental and essential teaching in the hierarchy of the truths of faith. Now, isn't that interesting? Such a strong uh, statement which is used there. You see, many of us might think, well, you know, actually in my life, you know, the, the mystery of God, which means so much to me, is the incarnation, the fact that God came and dwelt amongst us. Or it might be the mystery of the atonement when Jesus on the cross shed his blood for us. Or it might be the mystery of the Eucharist, in which we partake in the life of God by God entering into our very selves. But all of these things fall into the shadow of the mystery of the Holy Trinity, which is the source and the summit of our life. You see, the Trinity might be something that we don't often talk about. Uh, Maybe we're not all engaged over our coffee in the disputes of the Holy Trinity. But in in the early church, this was stuff that really mattered. And it is important to us today. It is the stuff of life and death. But whilst we might not engage in the theological nuances of the Holy Trinity often, we are suffused by the practice of the Holy Trinity. Whenever we make the sign of the cross, we say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us began our Christian life at the font when water was poured over our head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
It is suffused into the life of the Christian, this name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In our first reading today, we see an account of Moses meeting God. And we see that Moses goes up the mountain once again with those tablets in order to be inscribed. And God descends into his presence. And whenever we see these encounters of God with human beings in the Old Testament, we must always, as Christians, be wanting to look at them with the eyes of Christians. And we see in this Old Testament passage one of the usual types of how God appears, that it is, of course, in the cloud. And in each of these encounters, my brothers and sisters, we can see as Christians the slow and patient revealing of who God is in signs and shadows, how he reveals the mystery of the Holy Trinity. The Lord descended in the form of a cloud. Now that was always seen by the early church as the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. We see that at the transfiguration that God also appears in the sign of the clouds. But then the Lord stood with Moses as well. And in ancient Christian tradition, the appearance of God in almost the form of a man is actually the sign of the eternal words, the Son, prefiguring the incarnation that happened uh, with Christ in the womb of Mary in Nazareth. The words, the second person of the Trinity, present throughout all eternity. The Holy Spirit sent upon the Church of Pentecost, but present throughout all eternity. These moments are called uh, theophanies or manifestations of God, a way for God to slowly reveal himself. And so in every book of the Bible, old and new, we should be able to discern the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Lord appears, he appears to patriarchs, he appears to prophets, he reveals himself to the apostles, and in our own time he is united to us. These signs and shadows reveal the fullness of God's who will come amongst us uh, and unite himself to us. And we see that by the time of the New Testament, that this is even more nuanced. In the second reading today, we get the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it works through the three persons of the Trinity that St. Paul, as he closes his letter, reaffirms this belief in the divinity of the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Paul was a good Jew. He believed in the oneness of God. He was a monotheist. He would have repeated uh, that several times a day when he reaffirmed that he believed in the one God. And yet he also speaks about the other persons. Now in today's gospel, it is that famous passage from the Bible, which uh, we might see in all sorts of places. And many of you uh, might have repeated it as well. It is a beautiful passage in today's gospel. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And so too in this passage we see the revelation of who God is, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son to us. He gave his only begotten Son, the one who was uh, not created in time, but the one who existed throughout all time. You see, there's different ways of talking about sons in the Bible. Uh, in Job, we see that angels are described as sons of God. And in the New Testament, in Romans, we hear that we are also described as sons and therefore daughters of God as well. 
But this is different in this passage. The word that's used is the same that's used in our creed, that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, that Jesus wasn't created, so he didn't have a beginning, but that Jesus was there throughout and from all time. Yes, all of us are adopted children of God, but only Jesus is the eternal word, the eternal Son of God, Jesus, the uncreated one, Jesus, the one who has no beginning. And God sent his son. He sent his son into this world in order to redeem it. And this means that, my brothers and sisters, because we are united to the son, because we are united to his death and to his resurrection, that one day we will be united to God himself, that we will share in the divine life. In the creeds, which we say week in, week out, uh, maybe we uh, sometimes take it for granted We will reaffirm today our belief in one God, in one Lord Jesus Christ, begotten, not made, consubstantial at one uh, with the Father. And we will reaffirm our faith in one Holy Spirit, the Lord. Now, I know lots of people uh, on this day often think in terms of analogies. Uh, So we have St. Patrick, don't we, thinking about the clover, uh, if, if he did, and we might hear... Other people talking about uh, water, steam, and ice say, and I don't want to get into any of them because all of them have their pitfalls, but I am going to offer one which I have found useful in myself to think about nature and person, and this comes from the theologian Bram Pitrie. So Bram Pitrie talks about what something's nature is and who the person is. So in terms of nature, this is the what am I? And the person is who? So what am I? I am a human being. Who am I? I am Grant Naylor. What is the divine what? It is, of course, God. And the divine who's Father, Son, and Spirit. The divine what? God. And the divine who's Father, Son, and Spirit. The nature and the who. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that the ultimate end of the whole divine economy is the entry of God's creatures into perfect unity with the Trinity. That our destiny is to be united. The Westminster Confession uh, says that The purpose of of man is to know God and to enjoy him forever. Whilst, my brothers and sisters, we might not be the most learned of theologians, and actually sometimes they're the ones that go most wrong, we are a people baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God has given us a grace to understand something of him, if not all of him. Therefore, do not be fearful of professing your faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do not be fearful of going deeper in terms of your faith. Because the Lord has given you the power of the Holy Spirit to know him by name and to call upon him each and every day of your life. Do not be afraid as you wake up in the morning to make the sign of the cross. And to unite your life with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because it is by this union that at the end of life you will attain everlasting life with the one who was not begotten, who was begotten 
rather than being created. St. John Paul II says this about the mystery of the Trinity. It is a great mystery, a mystery of love, an ineffable mystery before which words must give way to silence and wonder. And we must be led into deep worship. A divine mystery that challenges us and involves us because a share in the Trinitarian life was given to us through grace, through the redemptive incarnation of the Word, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray then, my brothers and sisters, that the Word of God may so inspire our hearts and that the Holy Spirit may so dwell within our hearts that we may be led to see at the end of our lives in full clarity the beauty, the majesty, and the awe of the one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.